hope everybody's doing well. I want to preface my remarks and comments and talk this morning about astrology with this. I, I realize that in my audience or in this audience, those watching this video, uh, just like anything that anybody talks about on social media, not just me, you're going to have a diverse audience with diverse ideas. So I assume if for no other reason because of the title that there are going to be people watching this who are genuinely what I would call experts at astrology. There's going to be certainly a lot of self-styled experts, and I'll explain the difference, how I'm using those terms in a minute, between being what I would consider a true expert and a self-styled expert. I am neither of those. (laughs) I am neither an expert nor a self-styled expert, nor would anyone confuse me with an expert uh, on this topic of astrology. And then there's the dabblers and the tourists, right? People who've read a couple of books and maybe didn't understand the basic uh, structure of an astrological chart or maybe not even that. Maybe they just understand, you know, things like Mercury is in retrograde this month or doesn't it seem like Mercury is always in retrograde? (laughs) I'm just saying. But you see that stuff, you know, posted and whatever, or, you know, know just enough <clears throat> to follow the cycles of the moon or whatever. So you do new moon ceremonies, full moon ceremonies, super moons, all that stuff. So that that's kind of like the, 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 the tourist. So you have like the, the expert, the self-styled expert, the tourist, the dabbler. <clears throat> then you have the average person. And this is what I'm thinking is the average person, the average person who goes around calling themselves one of the constellation signs. So, for example, I would say I'm a Virgo (laughs) because I'm born between, like, August 22nd and September 21st or whatever it is. That's when I was born. So that makes me a Virgo. And maybe you know a little bit about compatibility and what your sign is. What is your sign? I am a Virgo. And I am compatible with whatever. Um, <clears throat> and Virgos are like this, you know. <laughs> and so maybe we, that, that's all we know. Now, my experience with, now, now, <laughs> anybody that says that, if you say I am a, and fill in the blank, and that's all you really know about astrology, or you look at your horoscope based on being a Virgo or being a Capricorn or being a Pisces or being a Aquarius sign or whatever, then <clears throat> you fit in the same category that I fit into and you know absolutely nothing about astrology at all. <laughs> absolutely nothing but myths. And, the, and the, But that's where the average person is. And then on the skeptical side of it, you have people, well, let's, let's come to the skeptical side in a minute. On the religious side of it, you have astrology being next to Satan worship, uh, in terms of how it's been viewed and looked at by the church and talked about and taught. Um, I suppose there are a few spiritual practices that people get into that could be as close to Satan, to outright Satanism as astrology. In other words, it's completely demonic. It's divination. It's pagan. Um, and therefore, and, and, and it's stupid. So astrology is one of these things that has a hard time finding a home because in mo, in the religious context, it's completely devalued and thrown in the trash bucket and on the scientific side, it's not taken seriously at all. And so if you go to the Wikipedia page and you look up astrology, it's going to be called a pseudoscience. And I don't like when things are called pseudosciences because that's really an elitist pejorative term usually that's being used uh, to dismiss something so that you don't have to give it any kind of an honest hearing at all. And then you got the skeptic, right? You got the skeptic that says, come on, Aaron, you can't possibly believe in astrology. And I'm doing this video today. I chose to do this because I made a really off-the-cuff comment in Freeology Friday, last Friday, that I believe in astrology. 
And I know, you, you now you, keep in mind, I'm doing Freeology Friday with Derek Day, who's uh, an, an atheist. And, you know, logic and reason and science and all of that stuff definitely settles the case and leads the way for him. And so the audience reflects that, right? And so I came out to that audience and said, I, I actually believe in astrology. So I want to explain why I believe in astrology, especially to the skeptics, because the skeptics are just going to say, come, come on, Aaron, you can't believe that stuff. You can't believe that, that, the, that the day you were born or the time in which you were born has anything to do, uh, the stars, has anything to do with what happens in your life or has anything to tell you or how could it possibly matter how the stars and planets are aligned uh, let's say just on the day of your birth or the day that you get married or the day that you start a business, how can any of that mean anything? It's all BS. It's all baloney. It's, it's as bad and as imaginary as uh, religion. And we can scoff it off and we can laugh it off and just hasta luego with it, right? Just forget about it. And that's what a lot of people do. <laughs> And it's, it's, it's funny to me. So a, a couple principles that I, that, that have really served me well. So when I was in my, uh, mid twenties, the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People came out, Stephen Covey, and I devoured that book. <clears throat> I was looking to try to be successful and that sort of stuff. And one of the principles, one of the seven habits of highly successful people, is you seek to understand, you seek to understand something before seeking to be understood. Now, there's a proverb in the Bible that I think is really wise. <laughs> Not everything in the Bible is Bible, B-Y-B-U-L-L, or garbage. That's just that whole dismissive attitude again. Uh, but there's a proverb, really good proverb, that says, A fool, a fool answers a matter, a fool answers a matter, before he hears it, a fool answers a matter before he hears it. And we've all been fools. <laughs> uh, you know, we've all talked about things that were outside of our wheelhouse, uh, made statements about things that we had no understanding of. And so here's what I'm asking. I'm, I'm just asking for you to hear me out on this and to give at least some kind of hearing to the case for astrology. Uh to seek to understand it before you arrogantly and dismissively just chuck it away as nothing. And you may find that it might actually have some value for you. So with that said, I want to talk about expertise. What does it mean to be an expert in a field? So there's been studies done on this. And there was a book that came out, I believe, in the 1990s, um, called peak performances or something like that, peak experiences, I can't remember. Um, Outliers. The book was called Outliers. And the author of the book makes a statement that to be an expert, it requires 10,000 hours of devotion to something. I'm going to say that again. To be considered an expert at something, it requires 10,000 hours. Now, that was taken from some research and uh, the researcher comes back later and says, you know, because it became so popular in pop culture, the idea was if you give 10,000 hours to anything, you can become an expert. And so the researcher comes back and clarifies that and says, no, that's not actually what my research shows. The 10,000 is an average. In a lot of cases, uh, people have spent more than 10,000 hours to become an expert. Like 10,000 is kind of the halfway point or the halfway mark. So he comes around and says, you don't just have to spend 10,000 hours. You might have to spend more than 10,000 hours to become an expert. And then he says it has more to do with the quality than the quantity. Now, he's not lowering the quantity by saying it has to be qualitative. He's not saying if you do qualitative work, you can get there in less than 10,000, although he's not denying that. But he's saying it has to, you have to really stretch yourself and work at it and apply yourself to the skill. If you just practice or learn the same old things over and over again, like a lot of people do in church, for 10,000 hours, <laughs> you know, where you just preach the same messages with different variations and different takes and different scriptures, but the same stuff, that's not going to make you an expert. You have to challenge what they used to 
tell us when I was getting my degrees, your growing edge. One of my professors would call it your growing edge. Where's your growing edge and pushing and challenging that? So to become an expert in anything, you have to devote a lot of time to this. Now, here's the problem with astrology. Remember I said, if you say I'm a Virgo, I'm a Cancer, I'm a Scorpio, and my apologies to anybody in the comments that's doing that. I'm not... I'm just telling you, if you're saying that, that reveals that you do not understand much about astrology at all. But that's okay. That's where the majority of people are at. That's where I have been at. All right? So I can tell you um, that I have not spent anywhere near 100 hours researching this. So I'm not an expert. So that's what I would say is the difference between an expert, someone that's really disciplined at their craft, really given themselves over to the, the, the study and the body of knowledge, and they've forgotten more about it than most people who have really studied it and applied it will know. They've forgotten more than those people will know, and yet they still know a lot. That That's the expert, right? So you – I'm not an expert by any means. I'm very much a newbie at this, but I'm new enough. I mean, I mean, I've gotten into it enough to know what I do not know. So let me give it to you this way. There are four stages of learning and developing expertise. The first stage is what we call unconscious incompetence. Unconscious incompetence. Now, what is unconscious incompetence? Unconscious incompetence is a fancy way of saying you don't know that you don't know. <laughs> and so my hope is that there will be a lot of people watching this that don't know that they don't know and will gain something from it. I'm hoping there aren't too many experts watching it <laughs> that are like this fool. that don't even understand what he's talking about. Um, but so there's unconscious incompetence. You don't know what you don't know. And then there is conscious incompetence. Competence, conscious incompetence, which says, I know what I don't know. So the first phase is I don't know what I don't know. The second stage of learning, once you've learned and researched is I, I know what I don't know. And then the third phase is conscious or the development of conscious competency. So in other words, I'm learning and I'm becoming conscious and I'm, I'm engaging with that body of knowledge and absorbing it. And then the fourth stage is unconscious competence, unconscious competence, where it's just become second nature to you and uh, you can do it and talk about it without even having to study or look at it or think about it. And you can talk about it for hours because it's just so embedded in the unconscious and you know you have mastery over that topic. So you don't know what you don't know. You know what you don't know. You engage with the body of knowledge until you can do it consciously. You keep engaging with it until it is at an unconscious level and you can just rattle it off the top of your head. So I'm definitely have just moved just in the last couple months because I've only been researching this for the last couple months from unconscious incompetence. I don't know what I don't know to now I know what I don't know and I know what a lot of people don't know and it's amazing. Um, and so that's where I'm, that's where the level of expertise that I'm going to be sharing at today. I feel like, uh, you know, one of the, the prisoners in Plato's cave, you know, the story of Plato's cave where everybody has their back turned to reality and there's a fire behind them and they're, they're chained to focus on the wall in front of them and all they can see is the shadows from the objects and people behind them being reflected onto the wall. And because that's all they can see, they think that's reality. And then they get set free and whatever. And I feel like the chains have just come off. And I was one of the first ones in my group, you know, of acquaintances to turn around and see the images cast by the fire. And I'm just like tapping people on the shoulder and saying, Hey, look, so that's the approach I'm taking to this. So that's, that's a, that's a 20 minute disclaimer uh, about what I'm going to talk about right now. So let me tell you about my experience with astrology and why I even give it any time of day at all, because it does, it doesn't make rational sense. Um, but again, just, you know, reading your horoscope because you're born on a certain day. I mean, if if, if that were true, I'm born on a certain day, so that makes me a, a Virgo. And then I go look at my horoscope and say, what is the horoscope saying to uh, me as a Virgo to expect Sunday, December 3rd? And I read my horoscope. 
then what that's saying is that every Virgo everywhere for all time should have the same experiences on the same day. Ludicrous. Complete garbage. And since that's what most people think and most people know about astrology, then that's, you know, why it's so easy to be skeptical about it. But let me say this. I think you'll understand by the time I'm done, to become, to really be able to accurately and with expertise read and understand an astrological chart, you probably have to put as much time and effort into it as becoming fluent in a foreign language. Uh, because it's that precise. So I'm still learning the ABCs. <laughs> but a few years ago, uh, most of you know my story. I'm venturing out of my little spiritual ghetto called church and uh, <clears throat> discovering that there's a whole world, leaving the Shire, if you will, and discovering this world out there, going on a spiritual adventure and visiting dun, 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 metaphysical fairs because, you know, that was all just demonology and horrible stuff back then uh, that we believed back then. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, hey, I see a few people commenting um, on YouTube. Great to have you. Angie from Texas, Terry from upstate New York, thanks for joining. Thanks for putting where you're from, too. Appreciate that. So, you know, as being a Christian, Christian pastor, you go into the metaphysical fairs, the holistic fairs, new age fairs, whatever you want to call them. You're you're going into a, 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 you know, spiritually dangerous place. And so tried all kinds of things, tried Reiki, energy work, past life regression therapies, tons of different kinds of readings and things like that. Uh, card readings, psychic readings, working with shaman, whatever. <clears throat> and I remember the first time I saw somebody, you know, put a sign up, said they were an astrologer. <clears throat> and so I thought, well, I might as well give astrology a try. And I, I didn't give it any weight at all. Now, this part's important. I'm emphasizing this for two reasons. Uh, I realized, like, if I were to hire somebody that claims that they are a psychic. I'm kind of a skeptical, I'm, I'm a skeptical person by nature. <laughs> but if I were to hire somebody who claims to be a psychic and I give them my information ahead of time, what's to say with social media and stuff like that, that they can't Google me, they can't get on my Facebook page, find out some stuff about me, then pretend like they don't know me and then just tell me stuff to try to wow me and amaze me, right? So... This is a person I've never met, doesn't know me, I don't know them. And all they get from me, I walk up, it's a 20-minute interpretation of my natal, what my birth chart, my natal chart. I didn't even know what that was. And all they have is my, basically my first name and <clears throat> my birthday. And they print out this sheet. And if any of you have ever seen a birth chart, it's very, it's very complicated graph. And proceeds to look at my birth chart and for 20 minutes tells me very, very, very specifically things about the career that I had chosen. Uh, in other words, you're going to choose a career that's going to give you a public face and is going to be involved in communication. So you're going to be something like a public speaker or a motivational speaker, or a teacher, or a politician, something like that. You're going to be in the public eye communicating. And then said, but where you're really, your strength is going to be, is going to be the ability to recognize groupthink, the ability to recognize traditions, and to have the chutzpah, if you will, to go against the grain enough, that your calling, your vocation, is to communicate in such a way that people get free from religious traditions and are able to move into some of the new things that are coming with the age of Aquarius. That's the first thing that she tells me. And then moves on and proceeds to tell me information about how friendships and relationships, patterns that I've had in my life over and over again with friendships and relationships, talks to me about patterns in my romantic life, and I can only get 20 minutes of this stuff. 
But I'm going to tell you right now, of anything that I've ever done, any prophetic word that I ever got out there in the charismatic world or in the psychic world, and I've had some pretty accurate ones in both realms, but nothing read my mail, nothing told the, the, nothing foretold my life more than my birth chart foretold my life. And one of the other things that I'll, that I'll bring in is, uh, and I'll talk about this in a minute, is that I never fit the Virgo patterns. I would read, this is what a Virgo is. I'm, like, I'm not like that. And my wife, Julie, she's a Libra. Or, you know, I'll explain that too. She's a Libra. Uh, I keep saying if you use that language, you don't know enough. And I'll get there in a minute. And she doesn't fit, she doesn't fit the Libra pattern at all. You know, it's always, yeah, so it's easy. So it's another reason that people just can throw out astrology because they can buy a book or whatever, uh, or they can go online and read, you know, what are characteristics of a Virgo? And then you don't check any of those boxes. Everybody's going to check a few, right? But let's say you check less, you, you, you're able to check off less than you can check mark. Then you can dismiss that and say, I'm not, I'm not that, even though I'm born on this day, smack, practically smack dab in the middle of the Virgo cycle, according to the newspaper horoscope <laughs> or the on it was newspaper horoscope when I was growing up because we didn't have all this stuff online, right? So the <clears throat> same thing with, with my wife. My wife gets one done and I finally understand her. Like and she finally understands herself. Like it was amazing. Now, let me say this. I've also taken personality tests. I mean, I'm a, my expertise is in human behavior, psychology, clinical mental health, uh, things like that, uh, emotional regulation and management and spirituality, certain types of spirituality. The spirituality, types of spirituality that have to do mostly with consciousness and Christianity, right? So th- those are my areas of expertise. So I've taken tons of personality assessments and strength finder assessments and stuff like that, but nothing told the story as quickly as my natal chart. Nothing told the story of what was happening with my wife as effectively as her natal chart. And I've seen the same thing with other people that I've encouraged to get natal charts from people who really know the stuff. So I'm going to say this before you decide to work with an astrologer, before you let somebody take your money, unless, you know, you're just doing it at a fair and they're there like I was. But if you're going to hire somebody, ask them for their credentials, ask them uh, how did they become an astrologer? And don't let them get away with giving you woo-woo stuff like I was called to it. And I mean, that they could have been. But did they put in the work is the question. Did they? Did they are they anywhere close to that 10,000 hours? Um, because it really does take a lot of expertise in order to interpret it. But if you get somebody that has that expertise, I promise you, uh, you'll be blown away by what they're able to uh, tell you about your life and about how your life went. So that was my experience. So then I was like, ah. Oh, there is something here. <laughs> and I tried to dive into it. I got the idiot's guide to astrology or whatever, astrology for dummies. And I realized, number one, this, this, this book isn't educating me enough. And number two, this is really complex. This is really complex and complicated. This goes way beyond just, you know, the morning horoscope or is a Virgo compatible with another Virgo or is a Virgo compatible with a Libra or is Virgo compatible with a Aquarius or Pisces or what, whatever the case may be. Right. So <clears throat> here's the truth. I want to say that the constellations, we focus on the constellations of the Zodiac. And it is an important part, an important aspect of it. So I don't want to be naive or negligent or ignorant enough to say that it's not about the Zodiac. It's just, it's, that's one component of astrology and an astrological chart. And then there are the planets. The planets are really important. And the ancient word for planet, when the ancients, where astrology comes from, when the ancients would use the term planet, they were using it very differently than we do. We think of planets with our modern day understanding of, you know, Mercury, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn. 
as being other worlds like ours, right, that move around the sun, that are part of the solar system. But the word planet comes from that which moves, that which moves. So a planet was any body that was moving across the sky. Any body that they could recognize or identify that was moving across the sky. And they were able to identify, without the benefit of a telescope, seven objects that move through the sky, the sun being one of them. So when ancient astrologers talk about planets, the sun is a planet. Because remember, Aristotelian cosmology, not Christian cosmology, Aristotelian cosmology in the West, I'm speaking to those with Western mindsets, the earth is the center and everything revolves around it. So the sun is moving around the earth. So it's a planet. The moon is moving around the earth. So it's a planet. And then you have Mercury, Mars, Venus, Jupiter, Saturn, seven. So you have the seven planets. And then you have the constellations, the zodiac, the Maseroth in the Bible or in Hebrew, is sort of the backdrop to observe where these seven planets are moving through the sky. So it's it's giving you the backdrop. It's sort of the map or the territory, if you will, to help you identify where the planets are because what you're picking up on, according to some astrological patterns and the way I understand it, you're picking up on the energies of the zodiac as it is influenced and filtered to you by the planets. But the planets are determining a lot of the expression of how that energy is moving through you. So I just want to explain why you can't say I am a Virgo, because if you say I am a Virgo, you are only dealing with where the sun is in the sky, where one of those seven planets is in the sky at the day and the time of your birth. You're only dealing with one one of them. You're not dealing with the other six. And most people don't even know that the other six are supposed to have an influence. Oh, you might know your moon sign and you might know that the moon is supposed to exert influence on you, uh, on your emotions, on your subconscious, stuff like that. You might know your rising sign. People may have heard about the rising sign. Here's another thing that's important about it. Your rising sign is really important. And that, the, so where is the sun when you're born? And where was the sun rising? In what constellation or what part of the constellation was the sun rising on your birth date? So all of this is meaningful and all of this is important. Now, so you have constellations, 12 of them. You have planets, seven of them. And in astrology, all of these influences are having an impact. And then you have something that most people have probably never even heard of. You have 12 houses. Aaron, what are houses? Houses, where your houses are, is determined... I believe, by your rising sign. Now, I realize there are different ways of practicing astrology. There's probably as different many ideas and ways of practicing as there is in any religion. But that determines where your houses begin. So what are the 12 houses? The 12 houses represent 12 aspects or divisions of your expression of your life. The action the, the way these energies will have an impact. So it doesn't just matter that your sun sign is in a particular constellation, but it also matters what houses are in particular constellations and then what planets are affecting that stuff. Now, if I've lost you already, just understand that if I were teaching you, if, if astrology were a foreign language and you had to first learn the alphabet <clears throat> and the alphabet was like our English alphabet, A to Z, I've just taught you ABC. That's it. That's it. So if you're, if you're saying, wow, that, so there's 12 constellations in 12 houses and seven planets and that's all affecting me or affecting the earth or affecting outcomes in some way, shape or form. Uh, and I don't, and I'm, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> Houses? What's he even talking about houses? What does he mean? So, like, yeah, I, I can't remember. I should have, I should, I'd have to have it in front of me. But uh, I want to say, like, uh, the, the, the 
12. Nah, I ain't even going to get into it. But like, cause I don't, I don't want to confuse people with misinformation, but each house will affect their area. So like there's an area that affects your, uh, career and your calling. There's an area that affects your friendships and social life. There's an area that affects your, uh, home life and th- those kinds of things. So each one of those would be a house, right? So when somebody's reading a natal chart, they're taking into consideration all of these things and where the planetary alignments are in relationship to the zodiacs and how that energy is coming to you through the planets and through your houses. So, again, it's very complex. So to say I'm a Virgo is simply to say my son is in Virgo on the day and time that I'm born. The rest of it could be something totally different, and in my case it is. In my case, uh, most of my stuff is in what are known as air signs. So that's the other part of this. The four elements, earth, air, fire, water, all come into play with all of this. So Virgo is an earth sign. So typically Virgos are very down to earth. They're very grounded, very methodical. They're very critical. You can think about Virgos as being sort of that which purifies, uh, something. They're very, usually very methodical, very organized, um, generally skeptical. As someone once told me that knew, you know, was somewhere between self-styled expert and expert in astrology said that, uh, Virgos are the pain in the asses in the, uh, in the, in the constellations. Um, so, you know, that's about it for me. I've got that, and I'm not even going to say what other planet, because it's not your business. Uh, but I think of one other planet in Virgo, and that's it. And and also, it depends on how much of that planet is in that constellation, because it could be on the cusp. What what degree in that constellation is it? I mean, it can get very, very precise, and all of that can change and affect things. But the rest of my birth chart is mostly air signs. So you think uh, heady, always in his head, intellect, not down to earth, space cadet, flighty, could take off at a moment's notice and go start something new, leave this, not grounded, the opposite of grounded. So if I go and read about a Virgo, I say, I'm not a Virgo, there's nothing like a Virgo. But let's say I go and read, you know, something that's an air sign, like Pisces, then I read that and say, oh, I'm... Much more like a Pisces. Like I can relate more to being a Pisces than I can relate to being a Virgo. Well, my rising sign is Pisces. The sun rises in Pisces for me. And there are some other significant, I think I have three other things that are are in or touching or on the cusp with Pisces. So I actually have more Pisces energy in my actual birth chart, then I have Virgo energy. So I can't just say I'm a Virgo. That's that's the point that I was trying to make earlier. Uh, same thing with my wife. Now, when we would read about Virgos, now my wife's a Libra. She was born on September 23rd. And uh, we'd read about her, uh, and Libra didn't fit her at all. Not at all. But, boy, when we would read about me with Virgo, it would be like, that's more like you, that's more like you, that's more like you, that's more like you. So she gets her birth chart done, and lo and behold, because the time that she was born, this is why you cannot have an accurate, a really accurate natal chart or birth chart if you don't have a precise time that you were born. Now, if you don't have a precise time that you were born, but you have a day you know that you know you know your birthday, uh, the day and the year and the place, the location. Then astrologers can do what's called a rectification with that to help identify around the time that you were born. But that aside, the precise moment that she was born, because she's what they call on the cusp. Typically, we say September twenty-first is the first day of fall because it marks the equinox, right? September 21st, June 20th, 21st, whatever it is. That's the, not June, sorry, March. That's the fall and spring equinox, right? But the truth is our calendars are off. That's why we have to do a leap year. And 
So because they're not precise and because astrology is so precise, my wife was actually born as a Virgo. She was born under Virgo. So someone born later than her, just by a few hours, whatever that exact time frame is, they would be born on the same day, but they'd be a Libra. She's a Virgo. She also has, I want to say, three other planets in Virgo. So she's got a lot of that Virgo energy going on. And so that would explain why that is. So this is one reason why people are dismissive towards astrology, because they don't even know enough to understand. You can't pick up a book or Google, I'm a Virgo, I'm a Pisces, I'm a whatever, and then try to understand yourself or try to be in any way predictive or prescriptive uh, at all. Okay, so let me shift gears here and let me spend the last time with this. So I hope that gives you a little bit of an understanding. You are not what you think you are. That just is where the sun is. <laughs> there is, again, six other planets that are affecting, according to astrology, that are affecting and impacting your personality and your life. There are 12 houses. Now, this is all just personal astrology that has to do with your personality and your psychology and your makeup. There is mundane astrology that has to do with more with world events and stuff like that. And that's the older form of astrology. But let's talk about, okay, Aaron, all right, all right, all right. You've convinced me that there's more to this, but you keep presupposing and assuming that planets are affecting us, that constellations are affecting us, that the time that we were born, how can that possibly be? And this makes no rational sense to my scientific, rational, Western mind. Agreed. I agree with you 100%. And I value science, and I value rationale and logic and stuff like that. So... Is it just that? But so let me let me do this. Let me do this. Let's talk about the history of astrology for a minute. Let's talk about how it came about, because for those of you committed to the scientific method and you're ready to throw astrology out because this is hogwash, this is BS, this doesn't fit with science and reason and logic and what we know about astronomy and what we know about astrophysics and Neil deGrasse Tyson says it's all BS. And if he says it's BS, then it's got to be BS and et cetera, et cetera, and so on. All right. So let's just talk about the three basic principles y'all are committed to. Observation. It has to be observable, right? Number one. Measurable. It has to be measurable. And repeatable. It has to be repeatable. And there has to be evaluation and objectivity and all that stuff. I would submit to you, from what I know of the ancient world, which is not a lot, not an expert, and what I know of astrology, which I've already said is not a lot, not an expert, but of what I know, I would submit to you that astrology is the oldest science known to man. And perhaps one of the most studied and perhaps one of the most reliable, even though it was based on the fact, it was based on a model, a cosmology, at least in Western Greek that's come down to us based on a cosmology that said that the sun and moon and everything is revolving around the earth. In other words, the earth is the center of the solar system. The truth is that it makes no difference whatsoever whether the earth is moving around the sun or the sun is moving around the earth in terms of how astrology for, as a science was practiced because they're observing you know, quit crapping on people that believe that the earth was the center of the universe and then just dismiss them like they're idiots. They were practicing observation. From their point of view and observation, the earth is fixed and everything else is moving around. They, you know, you, you, you'd have done the same thing, even with your intelligence and intellect. So just stop that nonsense. So... Here's a study that people engaged in going back at least, at the very least, I want to say the oldest written astrological record is 1500 BCE, BCE, before the Common Era, 1500 years before the Common Era. And it goes back even further. So what the ancient astrologers were doing was they would write down 
or chart or look at the pattern that was being presented in the sky, the movement of the constellations and the planets, and then they would look at earthly events to see if there was any correlations, to see if there was any correlations, and then they would evaluate it. Or if some significant event happened, like an empire falls or a king is born or dies or there's a significant natural disaster or event, then they would look up at the sky and look at the positions of all these things in the sky and see if there's any correlation. Is there any correlation? Is there anything happening in the sky that correlates to what's happening on the earth? This is why astronomy, astronomy has to do with the study of what's out there in terms of how it behaves and its ontology. What is it? Even though I don't believe science can answer ontological questions, but that's a discussion for another day. That's not astrology. The science of astrology is to observe and record what's happening in the sky and then look at what's happening on earth to see if there is any correlation between what the sky is saying, what the stars are saying, and what's happening on the earth. It's a 100% based on the ancient hermetic uh, axiom, as above, so below. I mean, hermeticism or perennial wisdom or ancient wisdom, now I'm not as uh, fluent in Eastern stuff, so I stay away from that as much as possible and look at it from the Western hermetic perspective, um, has a unified model of reality. It really does. That we could get into, if you guys are interested, I could do another episode on astrology and explain how the mechanisms would be explained for this using a hermetic model. But it's the idea as above, so below. So the difference between astronomy and astrology is astronomy is interested in what's out there and how it behaves and trying to understand the nature of it and the laws of it, whereas astrology is looking for the correlations between what's happening above, as above, so below, or what happened in the heavens versus what happens in the earth, and they record that. Now, the cool thing about this was they figured out that there was a consistent arranging of the sky, that it was very consistent. Now, again, it would make sense that what happens above happens below, especially to ancient people, because we still have to deal with that today in agriculture. Uh, you can't grow orange trees in Colorado. It gets too cold. So the position of the sun that uh, affects the temperature, it affects the leaves, it affects the grounds, the ground, it affects the soil, and the environment affects what will grow. We don't have palm trees here. We don't have orange groves here. We can't grow limes and lemons here or any kind of citrus fruit here. But you can down in Florida. You can uh, in other parts uh, that where the sun is positioned differently. So, of course, the it's, 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 it's basic. Nobody can disagree with this. Nobody can argue with this, that what's happening in the sky is affecting life on planet Earth on the most basic level of agriculture, and needing that to survive, needing food to survive. Life and the energy of life is impacted by the sun, the moon, and the stars. Absolutely is. Nobody can disagree with that. So it's not far-fetched for the ancients to look at the stars at night and think, okay, what can the stars and the position of the planets what can that tell us about corresponding events on Earth? And they would record it and they would evaluate their results. If that doesn't sound scientific in the ancient world, I don't know what does. So you can't just throw it out and say it's not science. I understand it's not science in the sense of modern science, but it's following a very precise scientific method because they're able to look at historical events, ancient people, able to look at historical events, and then they would know where the sky, what the arrangements were in the sky, based on that specific day, based on mathematical equations. Now we're into measuring. 
They would know where Jupiter was going to be or what planets were going to be aligned or what the sky looked like on the night that this major event happened. And so they can go through history and look at major events, look at the signs in the sky. And what they began to see was patterns began to emerge. So now there's patterns. So keep this in mind. So kings usually had astrologers. So the the birth of the king was important. And so we'd understand, like, that's probably where natal charts came from. And then they would look at, uh, this is what's going to happen with the king, or this is what's going to happen with the kingdom, or something would happen, and they'd go back and look at the stars and look at the alignments. And they would see if there was any correlation, anything as above, so below, anything in the sky or in the stars and the planets, the constellations matching an event that happened on the earth. And they began, and they did this for thousands of years and they kept records of this. They kept records of this. So it emerged not from superstition and it did not emerge because they believed that the, the you know, that, that they were gods. They were dumb enough to think that Jupiter, but you know what, the planet was, was a god. Some of that's terrible translation. Some of that's just linguistic garbage and stuff that gets lost in translation. And people make statements like that that are dismissive to other people and don't even know what they're talking about and sound like complete idiots to people that actually know. I'm just letting you all know. Like, be careful about making dismissive statements about things that you have not studied for at least a thousand hours. Because to people that know more than you, you're going to look dumb. A fool answers a matter before he hears it. So they could record all this stuff and all these correlations and notice, oh, something happened here. Well, Mars is here. And then last time Mars was here, something similar happened. And these patterns begin to emerge again over millennia, over millennia. Now, we don't have copies of all of that. Those libraries are gone, buried in the sands of time. There are writings. There are copies of birth charts. There are copies of astrological stuff. That's how we know what we know. But I want you to think about this. If you were a professional astrologer, and let's just say 50 B.C., you would have access to thousands of years of research, potentially, on this particular topic to see what patterns have emerged from it. And then you would be schooled in that science, right? So that, to me, gives this some teeth. Now, do I know why? That happens. Do I know why or how someone's able to look at my natal chart and tell me a bunch of stuff about myself in all aspects of my life? And I'm doing this at 46, 47 years old. So this isn't like these became self-fulfilling prophecies. If somebody had been reading my birth chart from the day I was born, they would have told me my future. Someone reading my birth chart for the first time 47 years later is telling me my past. But it's the same language. I'm going to say that again. Somebody reading my natal chart when I'm 47 years old is telling me my past, and it's completely accurate. But because it's in a symbolic language, if somebody was knowledgeable in that language, had read it at the day of my birth, they're looking at the same exact map of the territory. They would have come up with the same exact things, and they would have foretold my future. Think about that. So where does that where does that leave us? Do I know why? No. Do I know how? No. I have some ideas. I think hermeticism has some good explanations for it. I think uh, that it works within that model. But that model can't be proven, you know, to the skeptic or the scientist. So, but the reality is that it works, you know. I don't understand how my car works. I don't understand how my cell phone works. I don't understand how I can get more information on my cell phone now than I could get in one of those big computers that we bought back in the late 80s, early 90s. I don't understand how all that works, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to use my phone. doesn't mean I'm going to throw out my phone and say, well, I, I, don't, I don't believe in phones. <laughs> phones are just nonsense. People think they can talk to people with something in their, in their, in their hand. Uh, forget about it. Oh, explain to me how it works. Well, I, I can't tell you how it works. 
in, I can't tell you the mechanics. I can't tell you the mechanisms or machinations behind it. But I can t- pick up and show you how to dial and show you how to use the phone and that kind of thing. So anyway, hope you liked the presentation. Um, I'm going to go back and look at some of these comments. Uh, hey, got somebody watching from Ireland. That is cool. Um, my apologies. I see people putting, you know, like I'm a Gemini. I'm this. I'm that. I, my apologies. Uh, if, if a, I'm, I'm just trying to say, like, that's just your sun sign. Um, yeah. So, uh, Stephanie on YouTube, she says I've been enjoying your vids lately. Uh, been studying astrology, learning my own natal chart. That's a good place to start. So, here's what I would say to all of you that are skeptics like I was find a, an expert astrologer and have them read your natal chart to you and just see what happens. See, and then you can decide for yourself if it, if there's anything of value there for you, but just at the very least, don't be dismissed. Don't be so dismissive. If nothing else, if you didn't get anything out of this, one thing I hope to get across to this audience, to this group, to this community, this family, Let's stop being dismissive. A fool answers a matter before he hears it. Sometimes we don't have all the information. Sometimes we don't know what we don't know. And we'll make statements that are foolish or that are dismissive of other people or dismissive of things that might bring value or dismissive of worldviews uh, because we don't understand and we haven't taken time to learn it. Um, so he says, didn't Ronald Reagan run the country based on astrology? I know Nancy Reagan was into astrology. That's about all I know about that. Um, so, Aaron, are you speaking Western? <laughs> are you speaking Western astrology, Vedic astrology, or Kabbalistic astro- astrology? I just discovered Kabbalah astrology and haven't had a chance to check it out. I'm just making very general remarks about astrology and my experience with it in general, probably leaning more towards, although I've looked at those others that you mentioned, Probably leaning more towards Western astrology for sure. Um, Joyce says, in Western, I am Scorpio. In Vedic, I am Libra. Um, somebody says, I am an astrologer. Siriani, I think. Hopefully, I said your name right. Uh, evolutionary astrology is based off of the archetypal storyline of your life. Patterns is exactly right. The zodiac symbolizes storylines embedded into the human experience. And the deeper lessons that archetype brings. That is a really good explanation. If you think astrology is, is cool, wait till you discover human design. So Stephanie, um, yeah, feel free to share more about that. Um, I, I'm not sure what you're referring to there when you talk about human design. Um, the Magi were astrologers. Uh, correct. Genesis even borrows from ancient creation stories when it talks about stars being given for signs and seasons. Yes. Uh, Wish I'd known about natal charts before raising my kids. I think I could have been a better mom to help them there. Yeah. I need to uh, get mine done on that. Let me look on Facebook because I can't see the Facebook comments. Lot of comments on Facebook. Holy moly. Um, so I'm guessing that this is something you guys enjoyed. I can do a follow up episode on this because there was a lot of stuff that I wanted to cover and talk about that I didn't get to. And again, guys, I'm not professing any expertise here at all. Um, which may be weird for me to be talking about it. Um, but. Let's see. Concerning that ignorance, I'm not sure Doug's talking, not sure the context. Concerning that ignorance, that's what the Pharisees thought about Jesus, but it's what he knew about them. The same pattern happens today. Somebody watching from Chicago. That's kind of cool that people are putting down where they're watching from. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, Lisa says, sun sign astrology is 2% of your birth chart. You need to start with your rising sign. 
I agree it's a whole other language. There is a lot of modern pop astrology that isn't helpful either. Look into the ancients. I couldn't agree more with Lisa on that. When she says like it's 2% and it starts with your rising sign, your rising sign, as far as I understand, determines the placement of the houses, and that's super important to your birth chart. Um, let's see. Kay says a good astrologer in the integrity of the study would not need your socials, uh, et cetera. Exactly, exactly the point. Um, uh, so Tina says, so signs mean nothing in comparison to a birth chart. Okay, so l- let me just clarify that. It's People say, I am this sign. That is a misnomer because that's oversimplified. Let me put it this way. It's reductionistic. If I say I'm a Virgo, therefore I'm like this, I'm talking, as Lisa said, about 2% of what the energy that makes me up or affects me is. So it's not accurate to say I am any sign because it's very reductionistic. Um, So hopefully that helps. The the signs matter. There's just so many signs and so many connections and relationships between the signs that to reduce yourself down to one sign is to be very reductionistic. Um. Lisa says, your sun sign is where you are headed. Your rising sign is how you get there. You embody your rising sign and your stellium. Uh, having a hard time. My eyes are bugging out on me. If you have one, then your sun sign. Sorry, my eyes kind of bugged out on that one. Um, Kay says, yes, that's why my colleagues are so cringe. No cred, no carts, no experience. Um, a couple of you on here, when you're saying correct, I hope that's to me because I, you seem to know a lot more about this than I do, and I appreciate that. If it is, if it's to someone else commenting, that's great too. <laughs> ah. The planets are the main characters, and the, uh, the zodiac is the flavor in which they are playing out with, and the houses are where they are playing out. That's a pretty good explanation. Um, from a hermetic perspective, the zodiac would be the archetypal energy. So if you were to look at it, somebody asked, are you using uh, Western, Vedic, or Kabbalah? If you use a Kabbalah model, then you have the four worlds. Um, and the zodiac would be higher up on the uh, uh, tree of life. I think it's in, I think it's in Binah. Um, so from that perspective, it's pure potentiality. Uh, the zodiac signs would represent pure potentiality that then becomes narrowed and filtered down, almost like light being brought into more of a laser focus through the planetary systems and then from there into the houses, which would be the world of action. Um, ugh, I probably shouldn't have gone into all that. I'll do another video on that. That's probably too much information in too little time. Um, thank you, Lisa. She says, very good way of describing it with regards to the rising sign and the houses. Um, Kay says, no, they are the necessary auditor as service. Not sure. Um, okay, I'd have to go back and watch and see when you put that comment. I'm not sure about the context for that. Oh, my gosh. Marie says, me too. I have four planets in Virgo like Julie has. <laughs> Lisa says, yes, 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 it is. It's incredible. If people would just learn a little through some good astrologers, and then she gives some recommendations. Thank you for those. Uh, uh, thank you for those. She says, uh, I'm in school for both Western and Vedic. You know, Lisa, thank you so much for just putting your comments out there, sharing your knowledge with us. Um, it's also where we get the almanac from, right? Really appreciate that. Um, John D. and Edward Kelly were the astrologers for the Queen of England. Um 
Lisa says, yes, I love going over people's history with them and their chart to show them how things were playing out during massive events. Eclipses are a big deal, too. The ancients treated eclipses as sacred events. Um, Doug says, yes, and don't speak against something that you haven't personally worked through to fruition. I have spoken against certain doctrines, but it's because I once upon a time worked it through to completion over two decades, and it destroyed my life. Yeah. Um, good good comment, though. Uh, in regards to both Vedic and Western, they are both valid, just a little different in how they work. Uh, Doug says he loves the Yugas, so the Yugas would be uh, correspond to what we would call the ages in Western astrology. Um, like I said, lots of comments. Um, so I'm running over my time. Um, so anyway, thanks guys. Thanks for all the comments. Thanks for all the engagement. Maybe we'll come back and do some more. You know, I should, I should chronicle my journey. Uh, you know, shout out to Lisa out there. Shout out to, um, uh, Siriani. Um, those of you that shared your knowledge, uh, really appreciate it. Uh, but maybe I should chronicle my journey through this as this is something that I want to really learn and pick up. Um, I'm not going to give 10,000 hours to it to become an expert, but I can become one of those that, you know, can at least, uh, get around the block a little bit with it. So anyway, I hope you're having a great, great time, day, evening, whenever you're watching this. If you're watching by replay, thanks. Um, if you haven't joined our New Day global group yet, community group, it's on Facebook. The link is in the bio. Uh, appreciate all the support that people have given to us. Uh, like, subscribe, click all the buttons, do all that stuff. Okay, there's my call to action. All right, guys. See ya. Um, again, just a reminder, tomorrow night in the New Day global group, be interviewing uh, Tommy Stewart, be talking about atheism and how it inspires or doesn't inspire. <laughs> uh, just how we create our meanings out of our beliefs and how those meanings inspire us and move us forward in life. It's going to be a great conversation. Really looking forward to it. 6 p.m. tomorrow night. And I will see the rest of you next week. <laughs>